0: Just what I needed, just what I needed, something hanging around my neck, a helpless thing, depending on me, depending on me, to bear its burden, clothe and feed it, practically carry it, a grown-up girl with the mind of a child, depending on me, measuring me, staring at me, measuring me.
1: Welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, July 16th, 2023. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felish and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter also has columns at Masterworks, Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hello. So uh yeah. Yeah. how was your master class <laughs> this week?
2: Oh, uh great fun. Yeah, we uh I talked about My Fair Lady uh for for an hour, whether people liked it or not. And uh, uh talking about the various things that uh, happened here, there and everywhere, uh, from the um New Haven tryout, the Philadelphia tryout, the run on Broadway, the movie, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll be doing much the same um this Tuesday for Camelot. Though, of course, uh, the tryouts there were in Toronto and Boston, uh, which were pretty hectic. himlot mm. really had a terrible birthing experience. Um, and, um, it, it, it nevertheless has managed somehow to become a classic in its own right. Uh, it, 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 people who really don't follow Broadway that carefully i have a feeling think the camelot is a massive hit despite what happened recently um uptown but um but nevertheless we'll be talking about the um the who why where etc of camelot on tuesday um so um if you care to listen in i'll be there
1: so uh you know peter you're talking (laughs) here about um you know, out of town tryouts and things like that, and so many of the uh, trivia questions recently mentioned these out of town tryouts. Yeah, <laughs> do, do these things uh, pair in, in your thoughts when you're like, "Hey, I'm thinking about this." To is that how you tripping o- tripping over trivia questions?
2: <laughs> it's it's amazing how uh, <laughs> trivia questions do pop up. Bill James, who um, does a lot of books about baseball, says that this is not a single moment of the day where he's not thinking about baseball. Uh, I, 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 mm. I have to say that's me in theater, you know. Yeah. While well, walking down the street, I'm uh, I'm thinking of this, that, and the other thing. And um, in fact, you know, this week uh, three questions came up. Um, it seems like just when I'm out of questions, um, new ones come up. So I'm very happy <laughs> that uh, I'm still able to do it, including the one that I think I'll give today. That I just thought of while um, trying to go to sleep last night. So there.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned for that. If your you know listeners are on the edge of their seats, you know. <laughs> And and I, I I might venture to say, Peter, that um, sometimes in the day you do not think about theater uh, because uh, you know we we've had quite a few baseball conversations.
2: Well, I suppose that's true, and of course um, there's Linda as well, so uh, yeah. I give her a lot of thought as well. So well,
1: that's for very very nice to hear. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello, Hello, and we have to also not forget your impresario, uh, your your work <laughs> coming up on July 24th at uh, uh, 54 Below, we have uh, Jerry Orbach's Broadway, and we're going to be talking a bunch about that uh, this morning. So, uh, a- anything you want to tease for later on in the in the show?
3: Well, yes, it's it's been a kind of a hectic week. Um, we uh, were to have had Jill O'Hara with us uh, to sing from promises promises and reminisce about jerry but she can't make it for personal reasons so i was trying to think of um uh how to uh replace her and uh, this might not seem the natural um, uh, replacement choice but but are you ready brenda Mm, brenda vaccaro oh Oh, nice now what is the connection between brenda vaccaro and jerry orbach you may ask a play a play <laughs> called the natural oh, The look.
2: natural look of course uh, right yeah it which op- performance opened
3: on march 11th 1967 closed on march 11th 1967. yeah i remember
2: <laughs> lee thuna right was the author i think yeah. yes
3: mm-hmm. i have yeah. never heard that name before <laughs>
2: yeah i do remember that one yeah. yes I, I didn't who see else it. I didn't was in it. the <laughs> cast oh it was a great cast as i recall um uh, i can't remember who was in it but really when you look at that cast it was pretty impressive who else gene hackman <laughs> <Right>. oh, <boy. laughs> yeah doris roberts uh-huh
3: <laughs> and andreas vucinas is that name
2: familiar oh sure the guy who played common gear and uh, the original producers exactly Yeah, so
0: so so so
3: perhaps perhaps we will ask Miss Vaccaro what the hell happened with that
2: (laughs) The natural look. Right. Yeah.
3: And then also um, um, my friend Stephen Brinberg is going to come and uh, and sing some because I remember that uh, when Barbara Streisand had her first um, comeback concerts, um, there was a delightful section where she sang from Guys and Dolls. Uh, because she fell in love with the movie, uh, Ah. when, when she was, uh, you know, a, a girl and, um, she fell in love with the movie and she fell in love with Marlon Brando. But then, as we mentioned, uh, some years later, Jerry Orbach. Oh right, Sky yeah. Masterson yeah. at city, yeah. Center. city Center yeah, mm-hmm. and I was going to uh, I was hoping to have Anita Gillette with us because she played Sarah Brown opposite him, but she is in uh mm-hmm. L- London. London, yes yeah. mm-hmm. uh with her husband, uh mm-hmm. so she couldn't make it um so Stephen is going to sort of uh do a sort of Barbara tribute to uh
2: <laughs> to oh, nice Jerry Orbach and four guys and Dolls. Yeah. that's great yeah he's mm-hmm. yeah. terrific. Eater. Yeah,
1: I have a I have a trivia question for you. Oh,
2: all right. Yeah. Okay, see if you can answer. I'm this. no good at this, by the way. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> go go on.
1: <laughs> Name an author who has had two shows on Broadway that have closed on the same night.
2: I can think. Of, I think there's a guy who had three. Oliver <gasps> Haley. Is that oh, what you mean? No. Oliver Haley had first one asleep Sleep Whistle um The one that I won't dance, and there may be another one too. I Father's think Father's yeah. Day is yeah. That might be it. Yeah, yeah. And didn't that have Brenda Vaccaro in it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> She's I'm, everywhere. I meant to look it up recently. Let's we'll we can do that now.
1: Let's see Brenda who are you Vaccaro? thinking of, James? Uh, Brenda Vaccaro is, is is the Kevin Bacon of Broadway. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know she kind of is. You know. <laughs> so who are you thinking of, James? So The Natural Look, written by Lee Thuna, Thuna, Yeah. she had another one-night stand on Broadway. Or he, he, she, it's Leonora, oh. it's a woman. Oh, it is? Oh, wow. Okay. It's a woman. Let Me Hear You Smile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Was that the one with Sandy Duncan? I'm looking at it here. And Tom Ligon, maybe? Nope. No. Okay. Uh, James. Love is a time Broderick. of day is the show I'm thinking of. Okay. Well, let me hear,
1: let yeah. me hear you. Let me hear you. Let me let me hear you smile. James Broderick, Sandy Dennis, and Paul Price.
2: Paul Price was Andy in the movie of the Ritz. In the Ritz on yeah. stage too, terrific in in the Ritz, hilarious. Uh, as we'll the chubby you know, chaser. A oh yeah. Play
1: <laughs> at the yeah. Biltmore for one night.
2: Wow, isn't that something? Well, yeah, I think th- I think all of a haley had three.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, when I when I was asking um Brenda about the natural look, she said, uh, was that the one with Marion uh, Seldes? And then and then she said, Oh no, that was the other one. And the other one was Father's, <laughs> Father's Day. Day. <laughs> opened March sixteenth, nineteen seventy one, closed March sixteenth, nineteen seventy one. Also in Ken Kirchaval, Biff uh, McGuire, Donald uh, Moffat. Jennifer Salt, uh, Marion Seldis, Randy Caro,
2: Biff Maguire, brilliant in the um touring company of Mary Mary back in the sixties. Terrific mm. beyond belief. Um I'll never forget him.
3: So yes, and- three for Oliver Haley, I
1: guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't you just spend I, I know I can, I, can, <laughs> I can spend all day on IBDB.
2: You know, <laughs> oh, it's uh, amazing. You
1: know.
2: Jonathan Banks. And, uh, says that he does that all the time because he has to find shows for the mint and he's looking way back when to, uh, to find shows that, uh, really are quite obscure that, uh, and, and that's how he does it. He just goes through a season and just click, 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 click. Well, one show after the other saying, ooh, this sounds good or no, it doesn't. So, uh, we owe IBDB, uh, that debt that so many of the shows that have happened from the mint have actually happened because of his searching through IBDB
1: have you got any other uh favorite websites that are obscure i mean we all ha- we all know the big websites but any anything else that you find that like oh i just find myself going through this
2: um certainly the cast album websites uh i i i I visit all the time and one stopped in 2007 um and i'm sorry that it did it it specifically says you know from 19 whatever to 2007 um but um they're very valuable and i really enjoy um perusing them and certainly for fact checking they're extraordinarily valuable to me so uh people talk to me all the time about how there's an error here and there and um IBDB. And there has to be, I mean, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I mean, so, um, but I really, I'm judging the, um, the glasses, you know, 99 and 44, 100% full rather than, um, whatever the rest of the figure would be empty. So, (laughs) uh, so really it's very, very, very valuable and I'm, I'm delighted to have it.
3: Also, do you all know musicals101.com?
2: Yeah, that's John Kenrick, isn't it?
3: and which is very valuable it goes uh year by year and it chronologically lists every musical that opened each year
2: john kenrick is so amazing he really is and uh he does a great job with that site yeah
3: i used that uh when i was trying to answer one of your recent trivia questions the one about oh. <laughs> was it the one about was it last week the one about the uh the album of the Show you know. that had not been recorded but was uh <laughs> but featured seven people who <laughs> that question It was
2: recorded. It, it, yeah, it was a revival cast out, wasn't We'll give the answer a little later, but uh yes indeed. Um oh, it's this week this, it's from last yeah, week. It, this one flummoxed a lot of people and I understand why. I'm amazed that four people got it. Uh so <laughs> um anyway.
3: <laughs> one might call it a trick question.
2: It is a trick <laughs> question. No question. Yeah. No question it's a trick question, yes indeed.
1: uh you know peter i forgot when we were talking about your uh your master class uh the learner low master class the last one is coming up this week july 18th at noon to 1 p.m eastern time it's on camelot Uh, there's a link to it in the show note in the show notes uh if you are listening and you want to get over there to uh to check it out it's only open to 99 people i'm it quite possibly could be be sold
2: out I'll um, also uh, do a plug for the fact that I will be at Broadway Con on um, okay. Friday at 1.15, um, talking about Sondheim, uh with David Bankoff and uh, a few other people on the panel. Uh, um, my specific uh, thing will be that um, I saw the original cast of every Sontime show that for which she wrote music and lyrics with the exception of anyone can whistle which i did have a ticket for but for june but that was much too late um but i'm talking about what it was like to see those shows um in their original incarnations. so that'll be uh broadway con on friday at one fifteen. if you're around come by um even if you come by at the end to shake hands that'd be fun too to meet you so um let's make that happen uh
1: peter i i I think I must have. Have we discussed uh, uh, the original production of Passion on Broadway?
2: Um, I don't recall that we have. Um, I certainly was there.
1: What was your take on Passion when you first saw it? Did you know anything about it before you went into it? No,
2: I I hadn't seen the movie, so I I didn't know a damn thing about it. Um, What I will say is that I did see it three times on Broadway, and every time Donna Murphy (laughs) showed up on the train, people would laugh. And (laughs) um, it was like oh my god you know it, and it had an unintended comic effect and i have to say that when aubrey berg did it at the cincinnati con, um the conservatory of music in cincinnati um he really diffused that moment it was so smart of him the way he did it because what he did was show us um uh, Foska, played by lisa howard um who later became mm, famous for yeah. spelling bee um he showed her in the background looking around um and it diffused the moment because she's looking around finally she gets on the train and she and we we knew she was coming and it made a difference it really did i thought it was a very smart uh, strategic move on his part
1: I, I wonder, uh, are there any crossover musicals? Maybe we could put like uh, Hugh Jackman as Harold Hill on the train with Fosca.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love things like to, that. <laughs> to diffuse that moment. You know? I love th- I've written a 10-minute play where two um, two nuns are at Maria's wedding and they're very jealous. It's um <laughs> Rosencrantz
1: and <laughs> Guildenstern type
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, where they're very jealous and they talk about the new um people who are going to be um coming into the convent um who have repented their sins um <laughs> that they both um killed guys in chicago but um now they've um decided to become nuns after they they hadn't done well in vaudeville so um anyway but but nobody has high hopes that they'll be able to really become nuns because you know they just have this weird history of uh, killing their lovers. So mm. <laughs> anyway, you get the point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Michael, you were going to say something about Fosca coming on the a- train.
3: Oh, just, yeah, we we have discussed actually that specific moment before. And uh, I mean, I don't know who was the first one who was smart enough to restage it, but um, it has been done that way ever since I've seen it uh, since the first production. It was done that way uh, where she's already there waiting Mm, it makes a difference um in uh off broadway the you know the the off-broadway one melissa erico and and judy kuhn um and then also uh when i saw it in dc um with natasha diaz etc at all uh so yeah i think that was just a a, a really unfortunate uh staging choice by james lapine in the original and Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. not surprises me because i have never thought much of him as a Mm -hmm. director or a writer
1: so oh, maybe they could use uh, Fosca getting on the 20th century. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, something <laughs> there you have lines. it.
0: <laughs> you know, Laura well, she lives in the 20th century.
2: She's she not even living in the 20th century. So uh, <laughs> that would be. Hard.
3: Actually, it'd be fun to have Mrs.
1: Primrose played as Fosca.
3: Yes, indeed. <laughs> <This> raving maniac. <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not raving maniac. She's passionate. That's she's not right. Passionate <laughs> about Giorgio. So uh, yeah, Peter, I I saw I, I saw uh, the original production of Passion twice. Mm. Wow, mm. and I hated it, mm-hmm. and I and I could, and so I went to go see it. I, I think it was. Opening night or just before opening night, and I was like, "Oh, this is terrible!" And then everybody was telling me that I was an idiot. Oh, really? <laughs> that it was like uh, genius. It was genius, and I was like, "Really?" I I,
2: don't, was like, I-, I I have to say that whenever I talk to Sondheim fans, um, passion doesn't come up very much. Uh, people center on many of oh, yeah. the other shows, mm-hmm. um, uh, so um, this doesn't really surprise me. But there was and also then, a recent discussion
3: online of what would you say is his least least well loved show. And there seemed to be a general consensus that it was well, whatever you call it, but Roadshow.
1: Uh-huh. Sure. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Sure. What a sure. train wreck. Yeah. 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 Well and I I've seen that in like three or four different incarnations. Yes. I've uh, seen two. Mm-hmm. So yeah. but yeah, I so people were telling me I was an idiot, and so I went back to see it again. And I was like, really I, I just just did not did not work for me yeah,
2: but then alone. i got
1: the cast recording and i oh. love the cast <laughs> recording i love well, it well you know it. As, it doesn't have
3: the staging on it as, he, as Fra- <laughs> he he
2: didn't know how to direct it as frank rich said in his review of into the woods time and sec- uh, repeated hearings always um <laughs> count in the song time score um and by the way that phrase was followed by but this one makes the least First impression of all and um certainly into the woods hasn't suffered
1: yeah uh it, it's so uh you know especially in the realm of into the woods i i think that i think really what helped into the woods a lot over the years was the junior version where kids got to learn into the woods much earlier and so and they didn't do act two you know indeed uh, <laughs> indeed yeah yeah they didn't and so i i know that that really played a lot for uh for my daughter charlotte you know she loved she did an into the woods junior and which only did act 1 and then uh and you know as she grew up and she went to french woods uh this summer camp uh and they did act two and she's like what (laughs) she was like i didn't even know (laughs) oh that's hilarious and and it was like and and now you know and of course she's you know very goth and uh, you know uh (laughs) very artistic and things like that now she just loves sondheim (laughs) uh and so uh, it's so it's so funny uh uh, they there were something mm. else. I speaking,
2: was going Speaking of speaking of camp. <laughs> speaking oh yeah. Camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw the Theater Camp movie yesterday and um <sighs> I wish I could be more enthusiastic about it but um in Where compar- did you see it? Did you see uh, at it the in Angelica, the theater? Or at home?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, at the Angelica. At the
2: Angelica. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um and um I wish I could be more enthusiastic but um it's impossible to see it and not compare it to camp. If uh, mm-hmm. you saw camp the uh, Todd Graff movie from way back when um and um the one thing about camp that's uh, more interesting than theater camp is that there's much more concentrate- much more much more concentration on the kids. This one seems to deal more with the um counselors uh played by um Ben Platt and um I forget the actress's name do you know I, I, uh here let me hmm. look it up yeah uh, I could do that too, but anyway um there's <laughs> much there's much more um concentration on the counselors than there is um in the camp movie, and you don't get to know the kids at all in um in theater camp um uh, you you see them fleetingly um and but there there is nothing about characters. In- about those kids and um, after all the camp is for kids so so I understand that, I, I understand that you know because there was camp that, that concentrated on the kids maybe the whole point of theater camp was well since they did the kids now let's do the counselors okay yeah I get it I get it but I found the kids more interesting um, I think Ben Platt um, is very good um, playing the, the um, lead counselor and um, Noah Galvin wasn't he in Dear Evan Hansen? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he um, he plays uh, somebody who was pressed into service. His mother started the camp back in 1963, and um, now she's had a stroke, and um, she's in the hospital in a coma, and he has to take over. And um, unfortunately, the camp isn't doing well financially, and this threat of foreclosure. So I think that's a very good premise. And uh, he doesn't know what to do, and he gets a chance. Um, to have the camp taken over by a more successful camp that's nearby and this real sharpie uh, type of um, lawyer type uh, comes in and wants to uh, make a deal and uh, will do virtually anything to get that deal made and i mean anything as uh, you will see when you see the movie so that's a a very solid premise you know i'll grant you that and um but i'm i'm just more interested in the kids and how they react. The other thing too is that they uh, put on an original musical in fact it 's about the woman in the coma it's called Joan still uh, meaning she 's still here and um and they even set up a um a live feed so that she can see the musical, uh which leads to a pretty grisly joke because there she is in the bed uh lying flat and she can't see or hear anything that we know of. I mean, who knows what people in coma hear or see, but it seems like she's not seeing or hearing anything. And, um, but anyway, uh, you know, that's, they have an original musical and, that's fine. I, I get it. You know, I really do. There are only a, a couple of tiny moments that you see established musicals. Um, it, it starts with a, a Bye Bye Birdie um, in, a, in a school production uh, where a kid is pretty funny as uh, Conrad Birdie. But um, I like Camp more for showing us young children in essence singing I'm Still Here and the very funny sequence of Dream Girls where uh, the guy playing the guy, the child, playing Curtis. <laughs> um you know, a child you know uh there you you're the best man you know there's this this white girl with a, a big wig on singing you're the best man I've ever known and here she you know, here she is singing to a child um it's it's very funny you, you see a lot of that in camp and um you have an original musical here and this brings me to high school musical because um I got a screener of high school musical um before it was ever um on tv and um i watched it and as it was unfolding i thought oh i wonder what musical they're going to do they're going to do anything goes they're going to do bye bye birdie you know they're going to do into the woods i was thinking of all these shows they could do and it made sense to me that they would do an original musical as opposed to have to pay the money for um, they'd have to pay for the rights to the other ones um, but uh and by the way, I have to admit, I never thought anything would come of high school musical. And I'll never forget being in Buenos Aires and seeing high school musical toothbrushes. I mean, that's how <laughs> pervasive <laughs> Buenos Aires. That ain't around yeah. the corner. You What's know, so <laughs> right. But well, that's what was new there. It was amazing <laughs> to me. Um so uh on by the way, on the trip where I saw Sweet Charity and Fol, Foley and my own wife. Uh, doubt and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, with no intermissions. They went right through Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Anyway, so, wow. um, yeah, isn't that something? Um, so, anyway, uh, I thought it was um, understandable where High School Musical would do an original musical, too, um, to save money. But there is great power in watching uh, the kids in camp uh, wrestle with these ad- adult shows. Um, and, of course, there is um, uh, certainly an adult, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, an original show um, alluded to in camp because you have that wonderful song. To me, it was the song of the year when I saw Birds of Paradise, um, written by Winnie Holtzman, who would later do... Um, wicked of course. But anyway, um a song called Imagining You, which is so beautiful. Um a, a terrific, terrific song. And um I, I remember seeing Camp in Minneapolis of all places uh with my buddy Ken Bloom and uh, I, I recognized the song immediately because I, I had never forgotten it. And in so um uh, it had a big impact on me. So um so anyway Theatre Camp, which I understand got good reviews. I think you'll enjoy it more if you never saw Camp, but I think it's going to be impossible not to compare it to um, to Camp. Uh, and um, I watched Camp when I got home, and um, my opinions were solidified that um, I don't think it's as good as that first movie. So make hmm. of that what you will. All right. As they say, just my opinion.
1: <laughs> it's an informed opinion. Well, who knows? It's an... <laughs> you we know, I, I got off... Again. I got off on a tangent uh earlier when we were talking because I wanted to bring something up and talk with the, you and our listeners about this is that uh your your knowledge of baseball peter goes deep uh you've actually even written a book or two on it haven't you
2: well one yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. and uh in the uh last week there was uh for our theater fans out here who are not Uh, sports ball oriented there was a thing called the all-star game this week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and the ratings for the tv the tv ratings for the all-star game were at an all-time low and so we should think about this when we get around to talking about the tony award ratings and things like that
2: uh, that's uh, a good point, yeah, because after all, the Tonys were all-star situations, yeah. Yeah, the, so. <laughs> the
1: Tonys are all-stars. That's right, know? that's
2: a very good point, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And uh, they had just just over 7 million viewers for the All-Star Game, uh, wow. whereas the All-Star Game used to pull in 60, 70 million viewers, and they're down,
2: yeah. you, they're d- you know, down 90%. I fully understand... I fully understand why football has overtaken baseball as the national pastime, because I think um, baseball's expression, the national pastime, has had time passed it by. Um, because the, the gridiron is the same um, <laughs> as the TV screen. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it has that. So you can really, really get that. And the baseball diamond just doesn't lend itself to TV nearly as well. And I think that's really the reason why football is eclipsed. Um, baseball as as the the big sport because of the dimensions of a TV screen it's very similar to a gridiron.
3: I never heard that theory,
2: <laughs> and you may never hear it again. And I may be wrong, but that's the way it strikes me. You know, but you cannot get the full view of a diamond really on a TV screen. It doesn't look as good as um, as it does. You know, it's it's sectional. Um, so I think that's the reason why.
1: So the uh, you know when we are you know bemoaning the loss of all the viewers and the Tony awards. Uh, we have to think about that. This is, this is a, you know, the Academy awards uh, are always mm. down and mm, the awards right. are always yeah. down. The Grammys yes. are always down. That's right. And this, it, it's just a splintering of the, of the media. So uh, we're not doing so
2: bad. Yeah. Bad. A very good point. Good for you. Yeah.
1: We're not doing so bad. So, um, Michael, uh, you jumped on the Long Island Railroad and headed out to the Babylon <laughs> Village where you walked by three ice cream parlors to get to the Argyle Theater. I've eaten ice cream out there, uh, what, yeah. No, what,
3: no. what makes you think I walked by them?
1: <laughs> well, I was assuming you were not flying by them or driving by them. You know, I did not say that you did not stop at them. Okay, all right. I you know, just wanted to, you know, you know, clarify. Cold Stone Creamery on your left as you're coming out of the... Out of the, out of the uh, Uh, train station on the right there's a little gelato italian place bakery Mm. and then there's another one just a soft serve just down the block from the don't talk to me
2: about ice cream this this is a beautiful story yes beautiful story yeah
1: well it is a beautiful story so far (laughs) so michael you got to see argyle's production of greece so tell us about how this theater on the village of babylon on long island is doing (laughs) <laughs> well, first of all, it, the house was
3: quite full, so that's some really good news. As I mentioned, okay. they, um, the theater really seems to be doing very well lately uh, uh, in the wake of COVID, uh, which was a, a huge blow for everyone, of course. Um, I'm so happy that they survived it, and they really seem to be thriving now. Uh, so that's, um, that's really, really good news. Um I went to see Greece uh because uh well I, I actually like to try to get to most of their shows there, if they're doing anything that I that I like. Um but also uh Matthew Drinkwater, who I worked with is in this show in the role of Sonny Latieri, Latieri, Sunny mm-hmm. Mr. Latieri.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um this uh there is a lot of positive to to say about this production so i'll i'll try to focus on that uh let me get the negative out of the way first it was directed and choreographed by someone named Eugenio Contenti and i would say that the choreography aspect was very very good overall but not the direction um we uh, have discussed before it seems like um more and more in recent years, that there tends to be uh, more shows that are both directed and choreographed by the same person uh, on Broadway and elsewhere. Of course, there have always been some people who did that, but it's one thing when the person you're talking about is Jerome Robbins or Bob Fosse or Gower Champion. Uh, I mean, there are. I, I think there are a lot of people who can choreograph very well, but are not. Necessarily, also good at directing actors, um, and and vice versa. Vice versa uh, I'm sure, sure you know, of yeah, of course yeah. too. Uh, so it seems to me that this is the case with uh, Eugenio Contenti, because I have to say, uh, believe it or not, there were hardly any laughs in this production of Greece. Um, that the cast was directed many of them seem to be directed to overact tremendously Whoa. and that worked against uh the laughs uh because the the punchlines were kind of like shouted yeah <laughs> you know uh, instead of delivered in a natural form and that killed the joke and then just in general uh, so many Lines that I have seen get laughs in every production of Greece mm. before uh, went absolutely by the wayside um, and so that was happening, uh, but at the same time um, you know the the audience was responding very well to the musical numbers, although there was an issue there too because um, this this person uh this choreographer uh, in some cases didn't seem know how, how to know how to put buttons. Uh, at the end of numbers, so a number would happen and it would be going really well as far as the performance and the choreography and then the ending was very um very in unclear uh and so the applause was stepped on uh so that is i uh, you know that is something that that person uh might want to to learn more about he apparently is. Uh, from italy uh so i don't i don't know how much all of this stuff is in his blood uh maybe when he directs more shows maybe he'll um develop a, a sensibility of of the humor of american musicals and and also he'll learn how to end a number so that it gets applause uh, but those were two issues here unfortunately uh, cast was quite excellent overall i would say um uh i mentioned that there was a lot of overacting uh from several people who whom i won't name but uh i'm happy to say that that did not apply to danny Zuko played by Jake Gauz, nor to Sandy Dombrowski. Oh good. Uh played by Ellie Smith. Um they they both gave much more uh restrained naturalistic performances and and mm-hmm. they were they were all the better for it. And I really appreciated that they did that. Um uh one issue with greece is as, as i mentioned before we started actually recording uh whenever i feel like whenever i see greece now i see a different version of it because um uh well i mean there was the original production which i did see twice uh with with two different casts on broadway then there were many many changes made for the movie and then in subsequent stage revivals um those have some of those have incorporated some of the new songs that were written for the movie, or all of the new songs, uh, as in this case uh, of this production here at the Argyle Theatre, um, and then other changes aside from the. Uh, from this the song stacker uh, there there were lines uh in this production that I know from the film script mm-hmm. of greece and and honestly I, i'm not a hundred sure percent sure that they um that they necessarily had the rights to use those but uh mm-hmm. they uh, that they are there um uh mm-hmm. and in a in a program note in this uh in the the playbill for this uh production the the Director does talk about how they have created their own version of the show uh combining elements from from the movie and the original production and et cetera et cetera so he owns up to that uh for whatever that's worth but just so you know um that you're you're certainly not going to get uh the original stage version uh nor are you likely to get the exact version of any other revisal or revival that you've seen before um this one as i said does incorporate all of the new songs from the movie so that's greece hopelessly devoted to you sandy and you're the one that i want Um, Mm -hmm. all shook up is cut completely Mm -hmm. Um, here's a very strange thing uh and another big mistake of this production uh they started off with um vince fontaine giving some kind of a Little intro to the show, and then he introduces he says, and now here's a song that's been playing on the airwaves lately and then uh the uh two actors who played Danny and Sandy came out and sang Sandy as the first mm. song, which is a you know a slow ballad, mm-hmm. so that was a mistake and then but i thought thought to myself, oh all right, so maybe that means that they're going to when they get to the drive in scene in the show, in Act 2, that they're going to give us the original song, which is Alone at a Drive-In movie. But no, he just sang Sandy again.
1: Um, mm-hmm. It's the mo- so, movie, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: I, I don't know what that was yeah. about, and that was a very unfortunate decision. Uh, what else? Uh, other notes that I made? Uh, oh, one weird thing about Grease is this production and others that I've seen, it seems to have been cleaned up a little bit in certain ways, um, but uh, certainly not in others. For example, for a while now, I think uh, there's that lyric in uh, Grease Lightning, um, you know, I ain't bragging. Uh, She's a real pussy wagon. Pussy wagon, yeah. Well, that has been changed long ago to Dragon yeah, Wagon, right, and that's, right. which yeah. doesn't make any sense. But yeah. that's what they sing here. And uh, yeah. I'll Be Getting Lots of Tit is no longer in it uh, mm-hmm. uh, in that same song. I don't remember what that was changed to. But there were some other things in this production that I've never heard before. There's that line where everyone is in the park and somebody says, um, uh, oh, there's those pretty yellow leaves down by the lake. And uh, somebody else says, those ain't leaves. They're used rubbers well <sighs> here they say they're used balloons my god so, you know <laughs> so, um, so they made those weird changes but then yeah, there was still a lot of pelvic thrusting in the choreography and there's um. still jokes about blowjobs you know oh. so i'm not mm. sure what mm. is going on mm. with that mm. um oh, this production uh, felt uh, the director felt he needed to add a gay romance into it uh. so he added a gay romance between eugene Mm-hmm. Uh, big surprise, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, one of the other, uh, you know, ensemble guys. Mm-hmm. But I think that would have been fine if they had a little quiet moment, lovely moment together, alone. Mm-hmm. But here uh, it happens in front of the whole oh. ensemble, and Danny, yeah. Danny yeah. instigates it. And so we're supposed to think that these two guys suddenly come out and and have a um a little gay moment uh and that no one in Chicago no teenager in Chicago in the late 50s, 50s has yeah. any problem with that you know yeah, yeah. so you know again rewriting history in a way that I think is just not wow. not very good um yeah. let's see uh mm. That's uh, oh um, the one annoying annoying thing from the movie has been replicated here. Grease uh, Lightning is presented as Kaniki's car, but they still have Danny sing the song. Uh huh. Or at least in this case, what they did uh-huh. here was he sang the first verse, uh huh, and then Kaniki sang the second, and then I guess joined him for the others. Uh, but that would you know I mean that was only done for the movie because John Travolta co-opted the number. Uh, I don't think they needed to do it here. Yeah. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Sandy, uh, I think Danny had an- enough numbers. Besides that, to take Nikki Kaniki's one big moment partly away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I would like to see Greece revived in its original version, but I-, <laughs> I guess it's impossible because I think they they rightly think that everyone is expecting to hear those songs from the movie, and if they didn't, they would ask for their money back um so that probably i probably won't ever see it in its original version but it would be interesting to see and uh to see how it played i am days
2: pretty yes sure that scott miller at new line theater in st louis did the original version that was seen in chicago way back when oh well I'm he would be one sure. to do it so indeed. that that sounds yeah, right yeah. 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 yeah yeah i think i'm right about that yeah
1: So, I mean, coming back to many of our discussions over the last uh, couple of months, um, as we see large regional theaters struggling out there to get butts and seats, I think the Argyle Theater is probably right up there and they're trying to do whatever they can to keep the doors open. You well, know, trying
2: to- it, it, it's basically what we were talking about last week. I mean, yeah. here we are with the public theater this week, uh, laying off a good deal of its staff. and 19%. You know, again, yeah. I mean, really, uh, obviously, the Argyle is doing shows people want to see. You know, I'm mm-hmm. reminded of a theater in New Jersey. I don't think I said this last week when we were talking about this issue, but um, this, there was a theater in New Jersey that wasn't doing well, and they did nonsense. And um, the artistic director said to me, God, people were coming out everywhere to see nonsense, and hmm. and you know I, they were saying to me, we didn't even know this place was here, and wow. we heard you were doing nonsense, and so here we. Are. And he said, um, but I just can't do shows that I don't want to see every night. I don't want to come to the theater every night and see nonsense. Yeah, but you're not doing it for you, I, ostensibly yeah. at least. You're right. doing it for your audience. If that's what your audience wants to see. You know find out what they like and how they like it and give it to them just that way I mean it really comes down to that you know you you have to have customers you know um i'm i I mentioned Mary Mary um recently and um it was a big hit on Broadway in the sixties and I am told every year andre Bishop thinks about doing it mm-hmm. in the center, but the problem is it really is dated in the sense that um, it, it essentially says if you want to have happy marriage, a woman has to uh, accede to the man. So I don't think we'll ever see Mary Mary again. <laughs> but one of the points in Mary Mary is the fact that the uh, leading man is a book publisher and uh he's he publishes books that he likes and um and and he has the chance to do a memoir uh by a hollywood star that he knew for, in the navy i think it was and um he doesn't like it very much and um his this divorced wife reads it and says, Bob, you know, you got to keep the store open for when the masterpiece does come along. You know, and I think that's what we're talking about here, too. You really do have to do the shows to keep your doors open and um, and then do the show you want to do um, every now and then. But, you know, you're ostensibly doing it for the people. So do it for the people.
3: Well, as I mentioned, the uh, Argyle had a big hit last season with West Side Story, sure. and now they have a big hit again with yeah. Grease. And yeah. uh, their upcoming season is Mary Poppins. A chorus line, mm. a Bronx tale, and Bye Bye Birdie. It'll be so. <laughs> very interesting to
2: see if this director of Greece does chorus line and what he does to that. Um, you know, because of course <laughs> most people say chorus line is so set in 1975. We hear that all the time about chorus line, and um, you know there has been a tiny rewrite in chorus line over the years because uh, the people when they are interviewed by Zach used to give their actual date of birth. <laughs> um, Oh, and, right. Uh, yes. Now, yeah, now, now they don't do that anymore uh, to, to the specific year because they would be, you know, in their 80s yeah. uh, at this point. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens out there with Chorus Line if they feel the need to update it. Or as the famous expression goes, bring it into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> so last Sunday uh, after we recorded, I uh, I headed out to Central Park to see Hamlet. Uh, oh, but um, but we got rained out. We got totally, uh, totally like, uh, like a drenched downpour, and uh, they, they didn't cancel until eight oh two p.m. as as you know the the public theater does not you know cancel anything until the last possible moment. They they never rained it out, but I was able. Uh, my my daughter Charlotte came with me to go see Hamlet, and we had a long discussion about the public theater. And it's funny what you're saying you know Joe Papp gave the people what they want that's what Joe Papp mm-hmm. he was was doing mm-hmm. you know he and the, the public theater you know we just talked a few minutes ago about the the staff cuts at the, at at various theaters around the country and uh, affecting all the institutions we know and love um, but you know on any given night down on uh on uh Lafayette Street you know, you have three, four, five different things going on. And most of them are not very commercial, but you do have lots of commercial things. We just talked about a chorus line. A chorus line continues to keep the doors open at the public theater because it started there. And Hamilton, Hamilton yep, continues yep, to keep yep, yep, the doors open at the public theater because it happened there. So those mm-hmm. commercial products mm-hmm. uh, are, you know, the way in which theaters can... And artistic directors can, you know, do the other projects that they want to see, but you can't force a horse to drink water. You can (laughs) only lead him you can only (laughs) lead a horse to water, but but whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, you can't make him drink, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, You know, you can lead a horse to water, but it doesn't make him a duck. (laughs) Uh,
2: yeah. So what's really the the most sobering statistic of that article was the fact that they um usually do 11 shows and this year they're going to do five Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's yeah uh,
1: but you know and then you know this week we have sag after actors going on strike against the studios right now Yeah, Uh, we're in a time uh of great change we're in a time of of really monumental change and things that have always been done one way are now being done another way and whether it be less viewers for an all-star game or, uh, politics. or politics politics. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And how, in which, how actors are being paid and how the likeness of actors is being used mm-hmm. for now and in, into the future it, and mm-hmm. writers and the WGA is still on strike. I mean, that started mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in April, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we're, we're in a time of change right now and it, it's, it's really I don't know how it. I don't have any of the answers to no. these things. I don't know how the. I don't know how we come out the other side, but we will come out the other side.
2: Yeah, I um, agree. I've, I've seen the skin of our teeth, and I believe it. You know, so <laughs> we will. We will. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, something big has got to happen, and it will. We'll some that is Some people have
3: mentioned, and actually, maybe it was one of you guys recently um, that we could see a, a an influx of. Hollywood talent both writers and actors oh yeah. yeah to you know but of course the thing is there's only so much room uh you know for <laughs> for shows uh here yeah uh, uh i mean the theaters are pretty full as it is uh even the off-Broadway theaters um so i don't know how much of that we could get but it will be interesting um we might at least get a few things that wouldn't have happened otherwise if uh these actors and writers were still busy in Hollywood.
1: Well, I mean, just like uh, just like pandemic baby booms, you know, Uh, (laughs) the result of the actor and and Hollywood writer strike won't come to fruition for two to three years because that's how the gestation of a player musical goes at at the very least. Uh, So we'll have to flash forward to the 2025 season to see what we have there. Uh, insofar as, uh, new products coming out. But I, I think back to, uh, some of the great, uh, the great years. And one of the great years for me was 1976. I was in 3rd grade and it was uh it was America's bicentennial and we did a we did a play about the bicentennial and I remember every word and every song in it it was very very great but Michael you were in a production of Irene I was in a production of Irene at Saint and we Joseph- have to talk about Irene so where was it Saint Joseph Hill
3: Academy on Staten Island Oh, excellent! I actually was already out of high school. I was a, a freshman at Wagner College, but they, um, the person they had originally cast as Madame Lucy in Irene, uh, had to drop out, and so I, I got the call, <laughs> and I, and I did the role, and it was really, it was really one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, just the audience response, I, I have to say, was was. Through the roof. And I have, uh, fortunately, a very high quality audio tape of the show. Ah. And so uh, I'm still in touch with a few uh, of the people who were involved. And I thought, why not have a listening party? Um so we did uh That's and terrific. and it was really really great with uh Loretta O'Hara who mm-hmm. choreographed the show. Uh she wasn't a student she was uh, slightly older mm-hmm. from a, uh mm-hmm. and then um this fellow named Ray DeForest who played the butler Clarkson um and mm-hmm. then two guys who were in the male chorus Jack D'Angelo and Bob Mondardini and myself. So it really 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 was fun uh and that show is as far as i know rarely revived uh it in in it, it it in itself the the 70s version that starred debbie reynolds was a revisal um i would be fascinated to see the original version mm. of irene um, which
2: was the long running champ until oklahoma took it over
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i, I suspect maybe it's very, very, very dated, uh,
2: and and very few songs, as I recall, um, not as oh, many as you think, um, as I recall. Yeah, um, which is
3: one reason why when they when they did this revisal, they they put in new songs from various sources. One of which is an absolutely fantastic song, uh, written by Wally Harper, uh, called "The World Must Be Bigger Than an Avenue."
2: and in fact when i saw the show in tryout at the national theater in washington that song was not yet in so what a thrill Mm -hmm. it was when the cast album came out here because it's exactly the type of song that should be sung at that moment in time it is Mm -hmm. so good and by the way i think irene is one of the most underrated cast albums of all time i think it's a terrific album Uh, it has so many wonderful things in it Uh, not only is debbie reynolds terrific but so is patsy kelly and so is georgia serving who played Mm -hmm. the part that michael later played um but i think the music is terrific and yes there are a ton of interpolations uh by some of the same songwriters who did irene and some that mm-hmm. uh weren't but uh, a terrific cast album and um i i never tire of listening to it so i will say this a lot of people prefer the london cast album um which is terrific yeah you like it too yeah uh-huh. julie anthony mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm
3: well, she has a. I, I think we can all agree she has a much better and stronger singing voice than mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds, mm-hmm. uh, and that really helps a lot. But also, there's some wonderful orchestrations, uh, and the sound quality of that London album is great too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Irene um, was very troubled uh, uh, in on its road to Broadway, as I'm sure you remember. The original oh, director of all people
2: yeah. was John Gilgood. There's even Ooh. a joke in a class act about that.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh
2: i yeah. forgot yeah, yeah there is because yeah. ed Kleban was um working on it for like 10 seconds and um and was fired so um but there was a joke about it that john gilgood in fact john gilgood went on one time for debbie reynolds i believe
3: oh right with a script yeah. or something yeah, yeah, reading yeah, yeah. the lines yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but anyway they uh they got rid of him somehow and got, got gower champion, champion. which they should have had yeah. it in the first place. And
2: Joe Stein came in to rework the book as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Mm. Still, it's a great cast album.
1: Yeah. Is it, uh, is it still available, do you think? Yeah. Oh, sh- I'm sure. Yeah. It's yeah. Columbia.
2: Yeah. And Ma- you- it's Masterworks Broadway. Yeah. Uh, oh. it's, it's do we know there. anybody
1: over at Masterworks Broadway? you know me <laughs> so, michael so do you have uh, it in vinyl
3: <laughs> i do i do have it on vinyl i, I picked it up on vinyl uh some months ago but i had, uh, had it on cd yeah. i
2: picked it on vinyl <laughs> the moment it came out <laughs> the moment <laughs> it came out uh, yeah i was very anxious to get it uh, also uh, the aforementioned john kenrick who does musicals 101 that was the first broadway show he ever saw and uh, and uh it started a lifelong passion for musicals. Uh I believe you started with Jane Powell, who took over for uh, um Debbie Reynolds. And in fact, which meant Hillary Knight, uh, the um logo um drawer <laughs> artist, um it had to do a Jane Powell um uh, uh, likeness for the uh for when it was um still running on Broadway.
1: Wow. All right. So uh I think that wraps it up for today Mm -hmm. before we get onto our, uh, Trivia and musical moment. I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com where there's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded as Apple podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to an Apple podcast. There's many ways to get us. You can get us through Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Broadway Radio and support all of Broadway Radio's endeavors. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Tuner, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, and, uh, Stitcher is, uh, converting to another platform in the end of August. So if you are listening on Stitcher, go to the show notes and click on the Stitcher link. And there's some information on how to get us after Stitcher converts to the new platform. Uh, contact information for Peter, for Michael and me can be found in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do you have an answer to the aforementioned previous trivia
2: question? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Um, So, uh, the question had to do with the fact that uh, there was a revival cast album, not an original cast album, no, a revival cast album uh, that had seven people who had already recorded a Broadway cast album. And um, did I say it was musical? No, no, no. I was speaking of (laughs) Hamlet. (laughs) Hamlet got a 1964 revival uh, on four long playing records. And we will all have to admit that the original production of Hamlet was not recorded. So anyway, (laughs) uh, the seven who had Broadway cast album experience included Richard Burton, um, who played Hamlet and had recorded Camelot, Alfred Drake, Claudius, Three musicals beginning with K, among many others. Eileen Hurley was Gertrude. She did All American and Take Me Along. William Redfield, Stern did Out of This World. This one's real obscure. Philip Coolidge, Walter Manden, <laughs> He was in Kismet. John Cullum, Laertes, is all, was also in Camelot and uh, did the album. But here was the toughest one. John Gilgood, who recorded <laughs> The Ages of Man and- he was only the voice of the ghost, uh, the um, Hamlet's daddy. Um, so that uh, was one of the reasons why this was such an impossible question. Nevertheless, Greg Christensen was the first to get it, followed by Tony Janicki, Sean Logan, and J. Aubrey Jones, who included George Voskovek, who recorded the off-Broadway play Brecht on Brecht some years earlier. Mm-hmm. This week's question, and remember, as a result of Kathy Jones' request, the question can now be found in the show notes, so you'll have the opportunity and time to give it a more detailed look that may help you solve it. This week's question is fanciful and silly. I reiterate, silly. If Sutton Foster had gained an inordinate amount of weight during the middle months of 2014, she didn't, mind you, but let's (laughs) pretend she did. What might an insensitive backstage visitor had said to her at the end of one of her performances? (laughs) Silly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you have an answer for us,
1: email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well,
3: before I tell you, I just have to say I think it's great that both Brenda Vaccaro and John Gilgood have come up during this <laughs> during this podcast in, in, in relation to two different shows. I mean four four different shows. Uh so yeah, we cover a lot of territory here on Broadway Radio. Yeah. To... <laughs> anyway, um our music opening and closing today is from Carnival. Uh, our rehearsals for Jerry Orbach's Broadway at 54 below on uh, Monday, July 24th at 7 p.m. have been going really well. And William has a great, 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 great Broadway voice. Um, so I got video, um, and audio of him singing her face from Carnival. Really beautiful 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 song music and lyrics by bob merrill i carnival uh we don't see it often anymore it's kind of problematic because the story involves a uh a war veteran who's very embittered uh because he was injured in the war meaning world war ii and uh he falls in love with a very young girl who uh comes to sort of be adopted by the carnival, basically. And I think in the original story that we're almost supposed to think that she might even be a minor. Uh, But um, that's somewhat easily solved by just uh, raising her age a a little bit uh, when the musical, when and if the musical is produced nowadays. Uh, But also he treats her... Very, very badly through most of the show, because we're supposed to think he's so embittered uh, uh, by his injury and his war experiences that he can't express love. He doesn't feel like he's worthy to be loved, and he doesn't think she would ever return his love. Uh, And so he can only express affection to Lily through uh, the puppets uh, that he works he manipulates uh he because he's a puppeteer and so lily falls in love with him through the puppets and vice versa and it's really not until the very end of the show that he finally is able to show his real self and and they get together um a beautiful musical with a very very french sensibility uh maybe we will see it again sometime uh i i would look forward to that uh but anyway, her face, um the interesting thing about her face is that uh in the score, uh the character of Paul first sings it in a very very angry frustrated rendition, uh focusing on the fact that that he doesn't know how to deal with his love for this young woman. Um and then uh there's a break And he starts to sing the song again very beautifully and very lyrically. Now, on the original Broadway cast album, we hear only that second part. Uh, I guess maybe it was for time reasons. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Uh, But on the London cast album, uh, we get the whole thing, uh, which it's unfortunate that that one has the whole thing because the fellow who sings it on the London cast album is no Jerry Orbach. Uh, to put it mildly, uh, who who sang it on the original cast album? Uh, but that is one way to hear the whole thing. Uh, we we are going to be doing the uh, the entire song, and uh, so our opener today is William singing the first statement of the song, the very angry, frustrated statement, and then we're ending with the beautiful, lovely lyrical song, which really is, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful. Broadway songs ever written, uh, uh, by someone who, uh, you know, maybe is not always thought of as in the, the first rank of Broadway composers or lyricists. Um, and I always have said that I think that Bob Merrill's lyrics were far better when he was writing for his own music than when he was writing for the music of others, as he did with Julie Stein in, um, Funny Girl and Sugar and, I guess, maybe a few other projects.
1: All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway videos this week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: child depending on me Measuring me Staring at me Measuring me